0: That's big time. Fifteen. Respect all,
1: fear none. Oh, did he He belt that one? Intensity is not a
0: perfume. It was a no doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. Bones, I am recovering from an incident that happened about two minutes ago, where I, I was trying to set up our monitor, and in the wise words of you, you said that I got cuted, got electrocuted when I got a, a very large electric shock from trying to to tune out in the monitor. I don't know if I liked the term cuted for something that just did it.: afterwards. it didn't feel cute. <laughs> Nothing about it felt cute.
1: Well, I will say. I was not. I did not see the altercation between you and the electricity, sure. but I did hear it. And o- oftentimes, it sounded, you don't see that altercation. I, I heard it, and it was mighty. It sounded yeah. rather
0: mighty. You heard it from across the oh well, not across the room, about halfway. It was right there across the room. Prayers up for our boy. Anyway, it was kind of there, uh, but nothing about it was cute, bones. We do have a lot to talk about today, Orioles wise that that does not involve me getting electrocuted. We have some news that we're going to talk about off the top, and then we are going to hand out our minor league awards for the season. Obviously, a lot of the attention this year has been turned to the big league club and all of their success, but I want to give some love to the farm system, which is still the best in baseball and still warrants a lot of attention. But let's start with the breaking, not breaking news, the news that the Orioles made a roster move. Over the last week or so, claiming Tucker Davidson from the Royals. Look, the the stats don't jump off the page. Throw those right out. Throw Throw them them out out. the window. As friend of the show, Connor Newcomb pointed out on his Locked On Orioles podcast, there is always a reason that the Orioles claim somebody like this. They see something that they can work on that they can develop. Tucker Davidson did not have a great, great ERA this season. However. Towards the end of the year, he started throwing a splitter. That splitter was really, really good. It had the third highest whiff rate in baseball among pitchers who threw splitters at least 60 times this season. Of course, holding the number one spot was Felix Bautista with his devastating splitter, but Tucker Davidson came in at number three. I'm not saying that Tucker Davidson is going to come in and compete for a job in the starting rotation think it's entirely possible that the Orioles are looking at him and saying, hey, maybe you're a bullpen piece. You have a potentially dominant pitch that you tried to figure out at the back half of last season. Let's see if we can work with this.
1: Also, if you rank teams by how good their splitters are, I bet you the Orioles are near the top. They got the first and the third and best. And this
0: was, I think, the goal of claiming Tucker Davidson Is is the Orioles wanted... To hold the crown of saying, hey, if you're looking at this one particular pitch, we've just got the best guys. We've got it. the best. Mission accomplished, yeah. Orioles. Uh,
1: Way But to be. you're right. I uh, We've talked about it a lot this year. Orioles are a team that take guys who don't have beautiful numbers, and they make them into guys that have beautiful numbers. That yeah. happened plenty of times. Jen Cano, Danny Coulomb, you know the whole song and dance. Uh, maybe Tucker Davidson is the next one. And as we've said plenty of times now, he's got that splitter. He does. So uh, maybe they use that and they turn him into Mr. Splitty.
0: I have learned my lesson in the Orioles making small moves and not talking about it on this show. We talked about Danny Coulomb very briefly when that trade happened. Again, we're, we're going to talk about Tucker Davidson pretty briefly here, but we did not give enough attention to that Danny Coulomb trade when it happened at the beginning of the season. We did not give enough attention to Yenir Cano when we kind of thought he was just a throw-in piece of the Jorge Lopez trade. So, I'm not saying Tucker Davidson is going to turn into the kind of reliable reliever that Cano and Coulomb have turned into. Point being, the Orioles make a small move. Just just pay attention. Could be a Ryan O'Hearn, could be a Danny Coulomb, could be a Yenier Cano. Could be something that we're just not seeing that this excellent front office is able to see. Speaking of an excellent front office, this front office knows how to draft. Some say the best. Some say. Many say. I say. You say, certainly. They know how to draft, and they know how to develop talent. And with all of the success at the big league level, it is easy to forget that the Orioles still have the best farm system in all of baseball, led by the number one prospect, in baseball, and the best AAA team in the entire league. And today, Bones, you and I are going to hand out our minor league awards. Now, of course, the players that we are mentioning here don't get a a physical award, but they get the notoriety of being talked about on the Bird's Nest podcast as award winners. And none of them will listen to this show. I feel like the awards... But if one of them accidentally did, they would go, hey, that's me. I think that's the what awards we're...
1: need a name. I think we're going to call them the Birdies. The Birdies? Yeah. I like that. I just made that up on the
0: spot. Look you know. at you. That's, that's why they yeah. pay you the bucks. That's why they do. Let's start with MVP. I, I know you don't usually start with the biggest awards. If this was Oscars night, I wouldn't start with, you know, best picture. But, he, but here we are doing it anyway because it's not really something that needs to be talked about too awful much. I think we can probably agree on our vote for the most valuable minor league Oriole being Jackson holiday. Oh, I thought you were going to say Freddie Ben Cosme. Oh, ah, well, I was thinking about it. That's my guy. I was thinking about it. Jackson holiday was voted as minor league baseball's player of the year. He is the number one prospect in baseball. According to MLB pipeline and baseball America, he advanced through four levels of the minors this year, had an OPS over nine forty. put himself in a position to potentially make the big league opening day roster next season, which is something that even people with the highest expectations for Jackson holiday didn't think was possible. And by people, I mean, Jackson holiday who said that his goal for the year was to make it to double a buoy. And what he did, he completed that goal. He did complete that goal. And then he went to Norfolk and helped them win a championship. So Jackson holiday, I think is, is pretty easily my most valuable minor league Oriole.
1: Mine too. Yeah, uh, he was like you said, Baseball America's number one minor league player of the year. Kind of hard to say he's not the best in the system. Yeah, uh, when he gets that kind of recognition, he was unreal this season. It had no less than a 928 OPS anywhere he went within the system, except when he got to AAA and he had a 796 to end the year, which also is not shabby in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the guy is fantastic, and like you said. He could vie for that second base spot for the Orioles this coming year uh, on the opening day roster. So he's put himself in a position that, like you also said, he didn't even believe he'd be in. Right. So that guy's the man.
0: Jackson Holiday, our most valuable minor league Oriole. If we see him and tell him about this, we'll be sure to award him with a crisp high five. Let's and a birdie. T- and a birdie. I, I don't know what they is. are. Maybe we could make We both a- keep
1: looking at the... the- Yeah, are we going to give him a bobblehead? I mean, we could give him, like, this one. That's a good one. The hula
0: bird? Yeah, I like the hula bird. If you're not following along on Facebook and YouTube, you can't see the great hula bird that we have. Honestly, if you're following along on Facebook and YouTube, you might not be able to see it anyway. But there it is. It looks beautiful, as as Matt is now holding it up. And maybe this will be our minor league award. Who knows? Those bobbleheads just might be it. Let's go on to another award (laughs) that feels pretty obvious here bones and that is manager of the year and for that again it's it's kind of a slam dunk i think it's buck britain it is buck Britton. it is buck britain there's he managed, no way around it managed norfolk to a championship this year the tides went 90 and 59 they were named minor league baseball's player of the year again this is something that literally minor league baseball already told us what the answer was and, and it was the norfolk die
1: easy they're just telling us the answers
0: yeah He coached six of the top seven Orioles prospects. So not to say that Buck Britton didn't have a lot of talent to work with, but he managed that talent incredibly well. This is one of the best seasons that we have ever seen from a team down on the Orioles' farm. And, you know, a little bit surprisingly, he was managing a team that was only one of two affiliates outside of the DSL to finish the year with a winning record. Roberto Mercado and the Aberdeen Ironbirds also did that. They were slightly above 500, so Mercado would have gotten my you know second place vote here. But for me, it's it's pretty clearly Buck Britton.
1: While I was doing the research for this podcast, I came across a lot of things that I assumed could be records, but I can't prove that they are. And one of those was, I, I feel like the Orioles have called up more top prospects than anybody else. Maybe ever. I mean, like, how many times do does a team pull up however many top 100 prospects that the Orioles did? Westburn, Couser, Kerstad, Ortiz, Rodriguez, in one season. So that's all credit to Buck Britton. Yeah. Uh, really getting those guys ready for uh, the show. So I, I give it to Buck as well.
0: Yeah, and all of those guys really praise Buck Britton. I mean, Britton has been... Promoted throughout the Orioles minor league system because he has done such a good job at at any level that he is at. So, Buck Britton, pretty easy choice here for my manager of the year. Let's jump to a fun one. I think the rest of the awards that we're going to give out here are not as easily like there's one guy and that's the guy who's going to win it. Let's go to most improved player. I think there are a bunch of candidates here for the Orioles. You're laughing at me as you, if there's... Because you've gone to one where we agree. Oh, <laughs> tough. Well, for me, the winner is Samuel Basaya. Me uh, too. Last year, he was playing rookie ball and had a 774 OPS. This season, he gets all the way up to A Bowie with a 953 OPS. This is somebody who started as a fringe top 100 prospect because he was an international signing. You didn't really know what the upside really was there's always kind of a theoretical ceiling when you sign an international prospect that is that young and has just really raw tools you can look at them and project as high as you want to but until you really start to see them play minor league baseball it's hard to say what their realistic ceiling is and I think Samuel Basayo is a really rare case of somebody that you looked at as an international prospect and said wow This guy has such a high ceiling. He has this tool. He has this tool. He has this tool. And then he lived up to all of those things. His bat was better than I think anybody expected this season. His batting average was really the standout. We all knew he had power, but the batting average was outstanding this year. His play behind the plate was outstanding as well. He has a cannon of an arm. He was great at throwing out would-be base stealers. He started as a fringe top 100 prospect at the beginning of the season, entered the list, and we were like, wow, that's really cool. Then he jumped up to the 50th ranked prospect in baseball, and I think by the time the new rankings come out before this season, we could be looking at a top 25 prospect in baseball.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this guy is potentially, people have been talking about it, he could be the next number one for the Orioles if they try to continue the streak. Um, he's fantastic. And you mentioned his average and his rise from rookie ball all the way up to Double A at the end of this past season. But the power numbers are, for me, what uh, I look at and say, wow, this guy is another breed.
0: OPS
1: yeah. uh, is fantastic, uh, but his home run numbers are really uh, what fly off the charts for me. 12 home runs in Aberdeen and then comes up and hits eight. Uh, or excuse me in Delmarva, then to Aberdeen. Yeah, he hit six out of his last seven games. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, the guy was just ripping home runs one after the other. Uh, and to have another great catcher's prospect in this system
0: is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a, a good fold to have to Adley Rutschman. If Adley Rutschman needs an off day behind the plate, we could be looking at Samuel Basayo in a few years as somebody who could fill that role. Others receiving votes for me in that category would have been Alex Pham, who had a 566 ERA in Aberdeen last year and tossed a 267 ERA in Bowie this year. That's a really impressive jump. And then another one for me that I think would have received votes, when you're looking at most improved, we're talking about from 2022 to 2023. So Dylan Beavers doesn't really fit that category, but he had such a dramatic in-season Improvement that I just want to give him a shout out. He hit 273 in Aberdeen and improved to 321 when he got promoted to Double A Bowie, which is again supposed to be harder. And Dylan Beavers in our conversation with him literally went, "Yeah, it's kind of easier." Crazy, incredibly kind guy. Most improved during the season might be Dylan Beavers. Let's move on to the Cy Young Award, Bones and. This is one where the Orioles cast their vote. Yeah. And I do agree with it. So <laughs> How could and you it's, not? It, and it's my <laughs> vote as well, and it's Chase McDermott. He won the Jim Palmer Award for Minor League Pitcher of the Year. Across AA and AAA, a three ten ERA with 152 strikeouts, which is about 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Whip was just over 1.1. And he was also better in AAA than he was in double-A, showed that he was able to make that jump really, really effectively. We know McDermott is a guy that came over to the Orioles organization in a trade last year at the deadline, and it's impressive that the Orioles have been able to have him in the system for a pretty pretty brief amount of time and, and have worked with him and figured out what works. And Chase McDermott has worked himself into the conversation as somebody that we could be seeing in the big leagues in 2024, in whatever role that may come.
1: What's crazy about his year is that he did something that uh, executives or whoever really loves to see, and it almost never happens. He was really, really solid in Double A, and then he got to Triple A and was even better. Yeah, the guys really dominated. hard to do. Yeah, it's really incredibly to difficult do. to do. Uh, and Chase McDermott did it. He had a three and a half ERA in Double A. Came up to AAA and had a two and a half. So he knocked that down by a full point, yeah. uh, which is incredibly impressive. And, and he, like you said, the Orioles picked him as the best pitcher in their system, and they were right. He's fantastic, uh, and he's a guy that we could see next year.
0: Yeah, and the strikeout numbers and whip are great, which is something that indicates to me that the stuff plays at the big league level potentially next year because yeah. he's not the type of pitcher that we have seen in the Orioles system, occasionally in the past, where you know we've seen some crafty lefty guys like Alexander Wells and Zach Lowther, who put up good numbers in Double A AA and Triple A, but weren't striking out a ton of guys. They didn't really have overwhelming stuff. You knew what you were going to get, and then you have Chase McDermott, who is able to put up really good strikeout numbers and looks to be a different kind of pitcher from what the Orioles have developed in the past.
1: And if you look at the peripherals, not just the ERA and the WHIP, he also got better, jumping up a level. He his walk per 9 and his hit per 9 dropped Uh, to a lower rate once he got up to AAA. So he really improved, and as we've learned this year and have known for a little while now, the Orioles love command in their pitchers. They don't necessarily pick the guys who have overpowering stuff but are going to have incredibly high ERAs. They like the guys who can put the ball where they want to put it, and that's what Chase McDermott's been doing.
0: Yeah, other guys receiving votes for me in this category would have been Trace Bright. My guy. Who had over 13 strikeouts per nine innings, but the ERA was just higher. Than McDermott's at 397. Alex Pham, too. I mean, with Aberdeen and Bowie, had a 257 ERA. Alex Pham, a little bit older, still at kind of a lower level there pitching in Bowie. So, would like to see Pham, you know, move up through the ranks a little bit and see if he can hold that ERA at a higher level. That's why McDermott gets the vote for me because he pitched really, really well at AAA, which is the most difficult level of the minor league system. And while Alex Pham had a really nice year, Need to see it at a higher level next year, and and we could start talking about fam potentially in the same kind of category that we are talking about McDermott and guys like Cade Povich and Seth Johnson. All right, Bones. I'm going to keep throwing out categories, and maybe we will disagree on one of them. (laughs) Next one I'm going to is Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. And for me, this vote goes to Kobe Mayo. 140 games across AA and AAA. A. Had an OPS of 974. We know the power is there, but the batting average really, really impressed me. He hit 290, along with the great power numbers, 29 home runs, and when he wasn't hitting the ball out of the ballpark, he hit 45 doubles. Both the home run and the doubles mark led all Orioles minor leaguers by five. He's still only 21 years old. He was facing competition in AAA Norfolk, facing pitchers that had major league experience, guys that were much older than him. I know how impressive it is that Samuel Basayo got to AA Bowie at age 18, that Jackson Holiday got to AAA at age 19. That's otherworldly stuff, but let's not forget that Kobe Mayo is still punching above his weight class age-wise in AAA Norfolk. And put up some of the best offensive numbers in the Orioles system.
1: Hey, you almost get caught up with all the crazy stuff that's happening in the Orioles farm system. The guys like Kobe Mayo just get swept under the rug or whatever. Because what he's doing is still crazy. Yeah, it's he's just fantastic. not Jackson Holliday. And he's deserving of this, this birdie, by the way. Yeah. I just want to let that be known. But for the sake of parody, I'm going in another direction. Oh! I'm going with Heston Kerstad. Here. All right. And the reason being is that this was underratedly. A little bit of a show me what you've got year for Heston Kerstat. Sure. Climbing the age ranks, he started the year at twenty-four years old, and he started the year at double A. Uh, finished last year at Aberdeen, played an incredible Arizona Fall League where he hit 357 with an OPS above a thousand. He was fantastic. And he came in this year and he absolutely mashed. Double-digit home runs in both Bowie and in Norfolk and he comes up because of his bat at the end of the season to Baltimore and contributes a little bit and makes the playoff roster. So Kurstad for me is the guy that I'm going to give the nod to because he showed up when he was called upon. It was a year in which the Orioles were thinking, "All right, we've got a 24-year-old kid who has a ton of potential in Double-A. Can he make it?" And he did. Yep. So you got to give him respect there. He deserves this award just as much as Mayo does.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, Heston Kerstad is somebody that wasn't on our radar in terms of a big league promotion this year for obvious circumstances, just that he was, you know, fighting an uphill battle yeah. to get through the minor league ranks. He didn't have a lot of experience playing professional baseball and starting at AA and not really seeing fantastic numbers in twenty twenty two in the minor league system, it kind of went Okay, like you, you hope he shows you something in double A Bowie and he probably gets promoted to triple A Norfolk at some point during the season, but that's not what happened. He mashed double A Bowie to the point where you couldn't do anything he was undeniable. but yeah. promote him to triple A Norfolk and then did the same thing at Norfolk. Heston Kerstad got promoted pretty late in the year. I think if the Orioles had a pressing need earlier on in the season, Justin Kerstad is somebody who would have gotten that call because he looked ready pretty quickly. He's the kind of guy – sorry to cut you off. No, no. He's the kind of
1: guy who I feel like grows into the archetype in his professional career as just a pro hitter. Yeah. Like, he is just a professional hitter, goes out there. It doesn't matter who he's facing, what level he's at, he's going to put up big numbers. He has literally every single year that he's played baseball since college. So he's been fantastic. That guy's awesome.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting too when you're talking about Kerstad's profile because he doesn't exactly fit the kind of hitter that the Orioles have been developing and been trying to develop in their minor league system. That dude swings. Yeah, and We know the Orioles' does. philosophy is swing at pitches you can do damage with and don't swing at pitches that you know aren't going to hit the med ball, which the Orioles set up during batting practice, and it's kind of in the middle of their strike zone. And it's to teach, hey, if a pitch is going to hit that, you can do damage with that. Heston Kerstad can do damage with a lot of pitches that yeah, aren't necessarily hitting that med ball. His med ball is basically the strike
1: zone. <laughs> yeah, it's like a balloon.
0: And so Heston Kerstad, kind of a free swinger, doesn't really align exactly with what the Orioles preach down in the minor league system, and it just it didn't really matter because Heston Kerstad is just that talented.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic.
0: He's really good. And uh, it's,
1: with a crowded outfield already, it's hard to believe that they'll have space for more guys like him, but they just keep... The, there's more. They keep doing They have more guys.
0: I would have to imagine that Heston Kerstad is, is going to get more than a few ground balls at first base yes, this offseason, true. if I had to guess. Speaking of getting ground balls, let's talk about our defensive player of the year. Honestly, for me, I feel like... Somebody voting on a gold glove for Nolan Arenado over the past 10 years. Obviously, Arenado was not a a finalist this year, which was a big surprise. But my defensive player of the year is Joey Ortiz. He has the reputation as being the best defender in the Orioles system at the premium position of shortstop, and he just did that. All season long, just five total errors on the season, playing shortstop, third base, and second base. His range numbers are all off the charts, metric-wise. Again, maybe a little bit for me here of giving it to Joey Ortiz because of his reputation. But, man, it just seems like you see a Joey Ortiz defensive highlight every day. You're He not just does some Sabre
1: defensive <laughs> metric here?
0: I, I still don't get the Sabre <laughs> defensive metric, but it just seems like you've... You see something every day with Joey Ortiz that makes you go, how did he do that? Yes. And I don't have an answer. He's fantastic.
1: And, and it's really difficult not to pick him here. I honestly think he, he probably does deserve it, but I'm going to go another direction just to, just to throw out another name. Yeah. Now, I was thinking about giving this to Jordan Westberg, but I think he spent too much time in the majors to be eligible. Sure. So I did not give it to Jordan Westberg. Instead, I'm going with Jackson Holiday. Oh, and A the two-time reason, birdie winner. Yeah, two-time birdie winner one night. He's like Billy Eilish. Yeah. And the reason I'm giving it to Jackson Holiday, it, some of it he did make some errors this year. He did, for sure. He played three different positions, so he's got that going for him. But the reason I'm doing it is because he made four different middle infields better. And that's not something anybody else can say yeah. this year in all of minor league baseball. Nobody else did that. Uh, and we went down to Bowie earlier in the year, and we talked to those guys who... Shared that middle infield with him and they talked about how cool it was playing with him and how yeah. he lifted up the rest of the defense while he was there. I'm sure he did the same thing in AAA and the lower levels as well. So I'm gonna give this to Jackson Holiday.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. I mean, you know, I think it was Max Wagner who said he was getting some time at second base and just how great it was to have such a good double play combination yeah. with Jackson Holiday, who I believe you just made the first Jackson Holiday Billy Eilish comp. I, I maybe may in, have in human history, which is great. I think Jackson holiday, a a really good candidate for defensive player of the year as well. Others that would have received votes for me. First one, again, not really eligible. Didn't play enough games, but just want to give a shout out to Enrique Bradfield jr. Yes. Enrique Bradfield jr. Again, did not play enough games for me to, to have him garner too much consideration for this birdie. But the reports on Bradfield are that he could be an effective big league center fielder defensively. Not with the bat, he is he has some development there to go, but in the field, he could be a big league center fielder right now, which I is that. unbelievable for a guy that just got drafted.
1: What was his uh, defensive tool seventy when he got drafted? Yeah. I mean, that's about as good as it gets yeah. for a lot of guys. Um, a lot of major league centerfielders would like to be there right now. Yep. Um, so I think that that's entirely accurate. And I can see Enrique Bradfield probably patrolling center field at Camden Yards for years to come at some point.
0: Yeah, his speed is off the charts. The range in center field is unbelievable. If we had a birdie for biggest menace, I think it would be Enrique Bradfield Jr. <laughs> biggest menace on the base paths. I mean, okay. that guy gets on first base and he's gone. What what are you going to do about that? He's on second and oftentimes he's probably on third if he gets to first base. There was a time during one of his first games in Del Marva where, you know, we went and we were just trying to get some video footage of him and stuff like that. He gets on first base and I'm just I'm I'm got the camera ready. I'm just ready to roll. I know this guy's going to run. Steals second base, steals third base. In one pitch? Not in one pitch. Oh, that would have been incredibly just impressive. I was about to say, that would be crazy. <laughs> in that same inning. So, Enrique yeah, in Bradfield Jr. Good, getting some love for me for Defensive Player of the Year. Let's go to biggest surprise. Mm. This could go in a lot I'm of different directions for a birdie. I'm going with Heston Kirsten.: I'm sure you are. For a lot of them. Whoa! <laughs> Sure you are. Felt a little aggressive. I'm going with Heston Kurstad for many of the same reasons that you gave him offensive player of the year. He he didn't know what to expect from Eston Kurstad this season. You know, you had the great Arizona Fall League, you had up and down numbers in the 2022 season, and then he came in this year and he mashed. He did. He was really good. And he became a big league contributor with a 750 OPS in the majors, made the playoff roster, as you mentioned. So for all the reasons that you gave him Offensive Player of the Year, he is my biggest surprise of the season. Because he wasn't really on my radar as somebody that I thought could get promoted to the big leagues. And then throughout the season, with how he was playing, you just kind of went, now hold on. Maybe. And then he did. That's a
1: good selection. Yeah, It is. Um, but unfortunately, it pales in comparison to mine. Whoa! Which is Billy Cook. Wow. We're going Billy Cook on this podcast. You get Woo. the birdie,
0: Billy. You love Billy Cook. Yeah, man. I
1: do. You know why? It's because he was on nobody's radar at all whatsoever. There are a lot of Ooze fans out there going, Who is Billy Cook? I'll tell you what, he's the first 2020 player in Bowie history. 24 homers, 30 stolen bases on the year for the boy. I love that guy. He's a fantastic player, Uh, played a million positions the entire outfield, first base, second base, third base. The guy is fantastic, and he had a really, really good season at the plate too. So Billy Cook, you're my guy. I mean, this guy, 2020 10th round pick. How many 10th round picks have 2020 seasons? That's what I want to know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I, I could know. not tell That's you. another one of the things I was thinking about. It's a potential record, but I can't prove it.
0: So <laughs> I, I can only say that. I, you keep saying that you can't prove it. it. Would, okay, you I, could I, prove I, it. I, I would, it would take a lot of okay, internet no, research. I was about to
1: say, it'll take a lot of time to prove it that I don't
0: have. Yeah. So
1: Billy Cook, you are my uh, biggest surprise Oriole. So year. I just
0: want to rephrase that for the listener at home. Matt Bonaparte could have looked that number up for you, but he didn't. He could have. He's saying it's impossible. It's not.
1: Uh, I'll rephrase. It's not impossible. It's y- you just didn't incredibly. Want it's incredibly time. It. Let's say it like it is, Bones. He didn't I'm want. i was just it. trying to use my time wisely. Yeah. And what I did instead was, ogle at Billy Cook's numbers for a really long time, because he's fantastic. He is. He go is go look up Billy Cook. It'll it'll be a great time.
0: Great interview too. Had a lot oh, of fun talking to Billy Cook. I can talk to that guy for hours. Others receiving votes for me here. I think Jackson holiday has to be in consideration for this award as well, because again, as high of expectations that I had for Jackson holiday, I did not think he was making it to triple a Norfolk this season. I didn't think there was any way he was going to jump up four levels in one year and put himself in consideration to make the opening day roster in 2024. I I thought best case scenario, Jackson holiday plays well in double a buoy starts 2024 in double a gets called up to triple a and maybe if he plays really well there you're looking at a late season call up in 2024 but he has now put himself in a position where he could be an opening day starter in the big leagues next year
1: yeah he's definitely an option for this
0: birdie yeah um the guy he's won two birdies for you that's a double high five Too
1: bad billy cook beat him out on that one yeah um but yeah i mean he was he certainly my runner up here
0: Another option, too, I mean, we talked about him in Most Improved, but Samuel Basayo as well, I, I yeah, think. Yeah, he
1: actually was a guy I was thinking about putting as well, but I couldn't slight my boy Billy.
0: We knew that the upside was always there with Basayo, but to see it actually happen in the minor league yeah. levels. And,
1: and I don't know if anybody knew he had that kind of just offensive output in such a small amount of time in him. Yeah. So a
0: really big surprise there with Samuel Basayo. A lot of good candidates there. Let's move on to our final birdie. I feel like I've said let's move on too many times on this show, but whatever. We're going to move on doubting. from that. Don't worry about it. Our final birdie that we have to give out is the player that we are most excited to see in 2024. Now, this could go in a bunch of different directions. There are a bunch of different players that could have won this award. Jackson Holiday, Samuel Bisayo, Kobe Mayo. A little too obvious for me. Sure. Of course, I'm excited to see Jackson Holiday in 2024. Of course, I'm excited to see if Samuel Pasayo can turn himself from a top 50 prospect to maybe even a top 10 prospect. I think he has that kind of upside. Of course, I'm excited to see, you know, if Kobe Mayo can continue to mash in AAA Norfolk and work his way into the big league conversation in 2024. But for me, the player that I'm going to go with for this birdie is Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson, if you have forgotten the name by now, now's the time to remember. He came over to the Orioles organization last year at the trade deadline as a really highly touted pitching prospect. So what was the problem with Seth Johnson? He needed Tommy John surgery. So the Orioles traded for him. He, was, he had Tommy John. He was going to sit out the entire season of minor league baseball. He sat out most of the season this year, appeared in just five games this season. He got up to double-A buoy in those five games after only getting up to high-A in 2021. Seth Johnson, from all accounts, is nasty. That guy has an arsenal. And if he is able to put things together and fully recover from Tommy John and come back stronger in 2024... I fully believe that he could blossom into the Orioles' best pitching prospect and somebody that we could be looking at as, you know, maybe a late-season call-up in 2024 because he is a little bit older. He's 24. But Seth Johnson has the stuff that if he is healthy, puts everything together, and shows that he could do it in higher levels of the minor leagues, I think he could leapfrog a lot of guys in this system Become a top ten prospect in the system, and maybe the Orioles' best pitcher in the system.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that, like you said, I think a lot of people might have um, maybe just put in the uh, in on the side because of all. Yeah, because you trade for him, you don't hear from him. Yes, he doesn't play exactly. Um, But he, like you said, has tons of potential still, uh, and could totally utilize that this upcoming season to become one of the Orioles' top pitching prospects uh, and most exciting players. In the minor league system now, I picked a guy who's also a potential top pitching prospect in the system. Oh, it's Trace Bright. Trace I Bright. I got Trace Bright here. Yeah, because he had a nearly thirteen k per nine uh, down in Aberdeen. Comes up to Bowie, only makes four appearances, three of which were starts. Has a two twelve ERA. He was really good, but I want to see what this guy can do in a full season at Double A Bowie now. He's the kind of guy who has the high strikeout numbers, the high ERA. We talked about him while he was at Bowie at the end of the season. He said that the Orioles were working uh, on it with him and, and working on that command and see what he can do uh, to lower that number while st- still keeping his strikeout numbers high because he's in the, in the company of Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall in terms of K-9 per numbers yeah. uh, in the minors. So. He's a fantastic talent with a lot of potential. I'm really excited to what he can do uh, with a full season at Double
0: A. Yeah, I think Troy Bright is a really great pick. There was a former fifth round pick. Didn't really know what the upside was, but you know, as you mentioned, the strikeout numbers. There was a stretch at the beginning of the season. I think it was only like three or so games, but he was striking out like over 20 batters per nine yeah. innings. So the dude has some pretty dominant stuff. Another guy that I'm really excited to see. Not my birdie winner here, but falls under the same category as Trace Bright is Cade Povich. Somebody who has been touted as, you know, potentially the Orioles' best pitching prospect. Maybe has the best stuff out of any Orioles pitching prospect. And his strikeout numbers reflect that. He struck out over 13 batters per nine innings in Bowie this year. The strikeout numbers dipped a little bit in Norfolk, but he was still striking out 10 and a half guys per nine innings in his 10 starts there. But the ERA is over five. So Cade Povich, I'm excited to see in 2024 as a pitcher, you know, can he put things together the way that they need to get put together? Can he have the high strikeout numbers while keeping the command under control? No pun intended there. Can he keep the ERA down? It seems like a very similar conversation that we were having with D.L. Hall, where D.L. Hall had the ridiculous strikeout numbers, but the ERA wasn't where you wanted it. Can he get the command where it needed to be and DL Hall came up to the majors and showed that he could this season and I think restored a lot of the faith that we had in DL Hall as a prospect I think Cade Bovich has the potential to do the same thing yeah he's a really good
1: player as well Um, The Orioles have, I feel like, league-wide underratedly strong pitching talent uh, in their system. A lot of guys nobody's talking about. Uh, So I'm excited for really a lot of the pitchers that the team has and seeing what they do with the full season next year at a higher level for a lot of them.
0: Yeah, so let's give our Oscars recap here of who won what award. My most valuable minor league Oriole goes to Jackson Holiday. The Cy Young goes to Chase McDermott. My manager of the year down on the farm is Buck Britton. My offensive player of the year is Kobe Mayo, with my defensive player of the year being Joey Ortiz. Most improved goes to Samuel Basayo. Biggest surprise, Heston Kerstad. And the player I'm most excited to see in 2024 goes to Seth Johnson. Bones. We're similar
1: on a lot. Yep. Got the same MVP, same Cy Young, same coach, uh, same most improved. Yep. But I've got Jackson Holiday with the double. Uh, I've got him as defensive player as well. I've got uh, Heston Kerstad as my offensive player of the year. Uh, I've got Samuel Busai. or no, that was the one we agreed. I've got my boy Billy Cook yep. uh, as biggest Billy surprise. Cook. And I've got Trace Bright as the one I'm excited for.
0: Yeah. Well, that'll just about do it here for our minor league awards. Big congrats to all of our winners it yeah. doesn't mean anything other than the fact that maybe we'll try to give them a bobblehead or something if we and they'll probably to see reject it like i don't want And it. they'll probably say i don't know what this is yeah stop trying to give me bobbleheads thank you so much for following along on youtube and facebook if you were following along with us live please continue to do so throughout the off season. we're going to be coming at you every wednesday at 11am if you didn't catch us live be sure to catch us after the fact Anywhere you get your podcasts or digital shows, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you can find us. You can find the Bird's Nest. We're going to try to keep pushing this off-season content for you here as much as we possibly can. So make sure you're tuning in to Mass and Orioles socials across the board on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We're still going to be here in the off-season, still trying to bring you some good Orioles content. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brendan Mortensen. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes. and We'll catch you next time.